Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Level Up Human. The comedy science podcast. Souping up the homo sapien. Welcome, dear humans, to episode 13 of Level Up Human Extra. If you want to hear us and our experts having a chat and debating the new things in science and what our species might look like in a thousand, a million, in whatever number of years, uh, check out our kind of main podcast. In this one, I am your host, Simon Watts, and I'm joined by producer Rachel Wheelie. Hello. Okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to like, take one topic, try and dive in a bit, have a look what's happening in the news right now, and see how it might affect the future of our species on our planet. What I'm basically, what we talk about today is cultured meat. Meat that is artificially grown in a lab. What is it, and would you eat it? So, where should we begin? What actually is it, Rachel? Okay, so lab-grown meat, essentially, is the ability to produce food without having to raise animals. Yeah, that's the key. So this will get around all sorts of ethical and interesting issues. Um, as far as I can tell, the main issue right now is the expense. So whenever these guys developed this thing, they were a company called Moza Meat. And when they first did it, what, we're talking 2013, thereabouts? It looked as though uh, a burger, a lab-grown burger, would cost around about $325,000, which is expensive even for Waitrose. I've I mean, spent I've spent something close to that in a tooting burger joint. <laughs> to be fair, um, well, their ambition currently it seems that about a year ago they were trying to get the price down to about a tenner. A tenner. Well, a it, it needs to be about a tenner, doesn't it? Really, or less. Come on, you want to you want meat ideally being produced cheaper than the animal. Yeah, well, it should be. But then, on the other hand, if you're getting the cost down from three hundred thirty thousand dollars, it's going to take a while to get. To below a tenner. But, I mean, that will happen. It will absolutely happen. So what's the first question? I suppose it is, would you eat this? If you got the chance to be a pioneer um, eater. Well, <laughs> I am a big fan of sourdough bread. Okay. And I don't see it as being markedly different from that, really. Except it's made of meat. Other than Well, that. the way they make lab-grown meat is they take a piece of existing meat and then they filter it for a certain type of stem-like cell and then they trick that cell into thinking it's still in the host body and they get it to create new muscle mass and and then they basically just take that and make it into food and that essentially is the same way that sourdough bread works you just 
take your starter, you feed it, and you create something which can be eaten out of it. And and the beauty of it is that you can do this in the middle of cities. You don't have to have fields and fields and fields of space and land to raise all these creatures. Mm. You you only have to create the meat that you're going to eat, so it's very efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can 3D print it so that it's in an entertaining shape. Um, and, what is, and, out of interest, what is meat in an entertaining shape? Well, I suppose you you would make a pork cutlet in the shape of a pig, wouldn't you? Oh, actually, okay. That, so you're effectively doing sort of like a turkey twizzler dinosaur. Yeah, it's going to be um, horrific, basically. When this is <laughs> when this is fully developed and in and on the market, it's going to be great, and everyone's going to be excited about it. And then within about six months, it's going to have descended into super cheap and really nasty looking sort of faux food which nobody will touch with a barge pole but um interestingly at the moment the problem is that when i say you have to feed it with protein the protein is all made out of is basically serums extracted from actual animal blood so they've got to crack that problem before they can progress very far well i suppose the thing is you can get proteins from uh animal foodstuffs like animals don't all go around eating just other animals like a cow is eating grass and turning that into into meatiness. So we know that the biochemistry does this. It can turn one type of carbon into other types of carbon. So if you can synthesize those pathways or perhaps feed it on things that are found from plants, you're effectively making meat without having to go via the animal. I suppose that's the real key. Yes. So that's what that's what they're going to have to do. And there are some companies out there which reckon that they have worked out a meat, uh, sorry, animal free serum but but it's all you know like highly secretive what exactly is in the serum and and the public are going to want to know what's in the serum before they start eating it probably probably like having said that i'm aware that there's several things i eat that i don't want to know what goes into it one of the main arguments that uh (laughs) people very often make for being a vegetarian is that if you saw one into your food you wouldn't want to eat it to which some people answer i don't want to see I, i quite like my tasty tasty ignorance yeah. And they kind of have a point, but to that end, actually, that's the thing I find so fantastic about this story is that this is kind of ultimate science being used for ethical good. People have decided here that killing animals is wrong. Okay, rather than being vegetarian, what other way can we can we try and solve this ethical issue? It's an interesting question whether a vegetarian would be happy to eat lab-grown meat. Because it does originally, originally come from an animal, and it is also meat, so they may object to it. But it's a shame one of us isn't vegetarian, so we can at least give a perspective from... Well, I, I used to be. If I, I'm, I'm a very okay. lapsed, bad vegetarian. When you were a vegetarian, presumably you were a vegetarian on, on ethical grounds. Uh, yes, but maybe not the ethical grounds that you're thinking of. Oh, that's interesting. Which ethical grounds were you a vegetarian on? Uh, carbon and water, really. Mm. Well, yeah. Um, so it wasn't necessarily animal welfare or the di- death of animals. That a bothered cow me. consumes 11,000 gallons of water a year. Yeah. And so far, this lab meat might be over-consuming as well. Like, it's still not as good as having some beans yet. Yeah. So, but the, the issue here is, is the death of the animal still really. And actually, we're going to talk about this sort of ethical issues to this. This is something, again, people have been thinking about since this came into existence. So, for instance... Uh, a couple of Muslim scholars have come out and said that if the original animal 
that the meat is taken from is halal, then they would regard the cultured meat as being halal. Um, and Jewish scholars are kind of a little bit more all over the place in whether deciding whether or not cultured meat would count as kosher or not kosher. You know, is it still from a cloven-footed animal, etc.? Mm. If it's a, if it's actually from a lab. Yeah, but but I mean, these things are not being conjured into existence from nowhere. So that they do originally come from something. Well, again, that was real. Is yet so currently oh, these yeah. GM these sorry currently these lab grown burgers are just cultured. You're taking meat from one place, sticking into a lab where it's got a bit of scaffolding it, and giving it the conditions to keep prop creep keep growing itself. Okay, so it's it's tissue turning into tissue in a different place, but. This means that it is, it's genetically modification-free. This is an, an, a non-GM meat. Whereas mm. I think perhaps the most exciting bit about this is we could just start making up all kinds of crazy stuff to eat instead. I mean, if we're talking about getting around the ethical issues, okay? There so is, you, can, you can create yourself some foie gras in the lab exactly. from nothing and no, no goose livers... No, go- no geese were needed to be force-fed anything. Yeah. So this is the time, for instance, where we could start mass-producing mammoth burgers. You know, if you could I use the see, genetic code. I can see the next Jurassic Park movie now. Yeah. There was a, there was a comic series in 2000 AD, a long time ago. It was called Flesh. And Flesh, pretty much time-travelling, had come into existence entirely so that humans could go back in time and eat dinosaurs. Those dinosaur hunters going out to try what these things would taste like. We can have a Jurassic franchise, Jurassic Park franchise movie, which is entirely set in the food court. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I'd watch it, wouldn't you? Mm. We keep finding out that uh, that dinosaurs were, were a lot more like... Well, we keep finding out that velociraptors were a lot more like birds than we used to thought. So Kentucky Fried Velociraptor is just around the corner. That's genius. Mm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm being slightly flippant here, but but there is a there is a thing here which is is interesting. Is that if you're getting around one one ethical problem by eating cultured meat, you can might as well get around several ethical problems. So, for instance, turtles are notoriously tasty. That's one mm. of the reasons why they thought they might have died out, and why you get things like mock turtle soup. People were trying to replicate the taste of a turtle by mixing mm. together various meats. Well, Darwin had loads, didn't he? Yeah, apparently it tasted great. Hmm. Not, the, by the way, we should point out our podcast in no way endorses turtle eating or endangered species eating as a whole. But you're a bit interested, aren't you? Well, I'm I'm sure that the extinct species were the tastiest. <laughs> sort of stands to reason. Yeah, it does, it? doesn't it? Yeah. So. You know, before we worked out how to farm dodos, I'm sure they were delicious. Ah, no, actually, apparently they tasted rubbish. I have read an account. Just a bit dull. Oh. A dodo, like, and bearing in mind, a dodo is a, is a pigeon that, you know, got a bit big. I think it was the biggest pigeon in the world were dodos. But apparently they tasted awful. Um, so where are we going to go with this? We've decided, I've decided I would eat a lab-grown burger. Would you, Rachel? I would. Why? Um, Would you pay for it at this rate? I wouldn't pay $330,000 for it. Uh, but I, I like the idea of, 
of eating something which is meat, but it, but which hasn't caused an animal to die. Also, livestock is supposedly responsible for 15%. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Greenhouse gas emissions. So we wouldn't need to have that. Uh, but it would put a lot of farmers out of business. Put a lot of scientists in business. What I'm concerned about is that this might cause an exponential rise in the hipster. Tell me more. Well, you know the sort of scientists that are creating all this lab meat are probably sort of the more hipster Silicon Valley scientists. And therefore, there'll be more hipster scientists and fewer farmers. And I'm not sure that's a good thing. You might be wrong in that. So the people who are heading this up are Dr. Mark Post, and he's from Maastricht University. What do you mean heading this up? There is no global head of lab-grown meat. Moza Meat, the meat revolution. There's more than one meat company. Really? What other ones have you come across? Uh, There's one called Finless Food, which creates fish products. That is brilliant. Yep. Sells worse in Finland. Yeah, it wouldn't sell very well in Finland, would it? Not with a name like that. But anyway. So we're going to put all the fishermen out of business as well. Well, mass extinction might do that first, though. So perhaps this is a very good reason for this. With a growing population in the world and a growing consumption in meat, uh, you know, it might be a great idea to make everybody vegan. Do you think there will be a time when this has proliferated and everybody eats lab-grown meat and that's just what you eat? And so there'll be secret societies where you can have a an actual burger from an actual cow. <laughs> there was a fantastic, uh, I think you'd call it a mockumentary, a film by Simon Amstel, who I, I love his work, full stop. It was called Carnage. Mm-hmm. And it was about... It was it was a comedy film about veganism, really. Mm-hmm. But the way that it its premise was that it was sci-fi. It was set in the future. And it was a documentary about people trying to come to terms with the suffering they had inflicted upon animals in their past. So it was filming bits like meetings where people would get together and say out loud with their eyes closed names of cheeses that they once ate. 
And it's, it's as funny and heartwarming and uh, brilliant as that sounds. And actually, if you're on the brink of veganism, watch that, that film and it will turn you. Um, did it turn you back to vegetarianism? No, but it did make me sort of think about more reasons as regards the suffering. Look, I think fundamentally the reason I wouldn't be a vegan is that, or well, actually, here's a lot. Here's the difference. The reason why I wouldn't insist upon it the way that their future society does is because I think that the pleasure of somebody who I don't know, I think it does matter more than a certain amount of suffering of an animal. Like in terms of the personal liberty thing. This is brilliantly taking us back down the same cul-de-sac that we ended <laughs> up in at the last episode. So you're you're using the humans are best card again. I'm using liberty. Like I don't I don't want to decide for other people. Yeah, but you are deciding for the animal though. Yes, I am. Yeah. That's true. Or I'm giving somebody else the power to decide for the animal. That's more actually. Well, you're deciding for the animal by by uh paying for it. Paying for it? Well, if you're buying meat, then you are deciding oh, no, for I the mean, animal. Yeah, so I'm sorry. This is the reason I'm saying I would not thrust a vegan lifestyle onto everybody. Mm. I could choose myself. That was that was all okay. I was so you just think we should be allowed to make our own decisions as we do currently? Yeah. Okay. Cool. That was it exactly. But I could see how programs like Carnage would make me uh, want to go back to being veggie, and I may do eventually. I should point out actually the only reason why I'm not anymore was because. Um, me and my wife had a kid. Uh, she was anemic. I gave her iron pills. She was still anemic. We started eating meat again. She was still slightly anemic, but not too bad. I ate so much uh, iron-based stuff when I was pregnant. Yeah. There, was a, there was a huge amount of anemia going on there. It was quite <laughs> unpleasant. And my kid really, really, really loves milk. Yeah. Yeah, so... I don't think a soy latte is for him quite yet. No. But when he gets old enough, I'd like him to have the choice. That's another difficulty, I suppose, all these things. It does impact in culture. Like, whenever I said I wasn't quite a vegetarian, what it really was was that I think there was about a seven or eight year period where I didn't cook any meat. But if I went round to a friend's house and they'd made me a fish finger sandwich, I said thank you and I enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah. My sister uh, has just gone veggie on, on that basis. Oh, on the kind of facultative... On the kind of, I'm not going to be militant about it, I'll eat meat if it's what there is. Yeah. But I'll be veggie when I'm responsible for feeding myself. These are difficult issues. Like, it's one of those sort of things as well, is that you do wonder at what point you you change your joy. Like, I was getting to a stage where I started to look at a banana and say, how bad is that banana? You know, like, a lot of this is based on a certain amount of knowledge, like what is the carbon footprint of this and that and the other. Mm. Oh, and, I see. Uh, yeah. So, so you mean that you could eventually end up just kind of self-flagellating over absolutely everything? Well, not just could. I know I did. Yeah. <laughs> that was ultimately it. Mm. And it's also like food is a very good choice of a battleground for some of our ethics just because we eat three times a day. You know, it's one of the places where a single human can make a big difference in the world. But I have an iPhone, like... Mm. what level of slavery am I contributing to in the world? And it's very tricky to see what are the things you can have a, an, a simple direct impact on and the things where there is a web based around it. You know, I pay my taxes, which contribute to wars wherever, and, you know, all these sort of things. Well, and we're, the world's an ethical minefield anyway. We're removed from it a little bit in that we get to consume all this stuff without seeing any of the negative consequences of it. You have to go and look on the internet or 
be told by well-meaning friends or have it rammed down your throat by somebody in order to find out. What I mean is you can just go around with your head in the sand about these things. But also that's one of the luxuries, I'd argue, of of civilization. Like that's that's half the point to get away from some of the grit. So you're saying it's a good thing that I don't know what's behind what I'm eating and what I'm using. But but that it can be one of the luxuries. I'm going to give you a very good example. I remember various friends of mine and uh, when I met in a radio program in Radio 4 ages and ages back, they were going out and now killing their own food because they wanted to understand the process and they thought they could perhaps come to terms with the suffering and things if they mm. were to inflict themselves. Mm-hmm. But I found the position a really bad one, first of all, because a professional killer should be better than an amateur that's learning. You know, I'd hope that a person working in an abattoir is better at killing an animal than somebody who's just trying it themselves for a kind of good life kick. Yeah. So that's argument number uh, that's one. That's sort of a side issue, but yes, okay. Okay, that's argument number one. And then the other thing is, of course, none of these people who are going out and killing their own meat to try it out are going and digging their own latrines. You know, there are there are lots of things about our, our bodily functions, everything going in and going out, that we we as civilization progresses try and get away from. Have outsourced. We have outsourced, yeah, exactly. And that can be a good thing. You're saying we would poop more responsibly if we had to deal with it ourselves? Oh, I entirely think we'd poop more responsibly. And have compost toilets. And we'd have compost toilets and you name it. It necessarily it wouldn't necessarily be good. For a start, your flat would smell a lot, lot worse. Um, it smells pretty bad as it is. I've got three toddlers. Yeah, actually, are they being ethical? <laughs> they poop everywhere. I mean, that, you know, that, it's a work in progress. So, hold on. getting back to our main crux here. Cultured meat... Would you eat it? Would you put the Frankenstein into your Frankenstein? I still would, yes. Me too. I think this is awesome. I think it's interesting and it gives possible chances for more liberty and more choice. Well done, science. But um, frankly, that's not terribly interesting. Uh, so if you have strong feelings in the opposite direction, or indeed agree with us, whichever, uh, we just want to make human contact, really. Tweet us at... Level up human. Before we go, Rachel, I've got one final thing that I'd quite like to share with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to show you this video. Uh, it's from Boston Dynamics. So you can always, you can already tell that's going to be That's a the robot. company that have robot dogs and robot... Yeah. Like soldiers and stuff, yeah? So this robot is called Spot Mini. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is footage of it opening the door. Or more accurately, of a human being trying to stop it opening a door. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's it's approaching the door and it's got like a... It's got four legs like a dog, but it's also got an arm. And it's grabbed the door handle. And it's opening the door. And the human has tried to stop it, but it has opened the door successfully. And... Now the human is dragging it backwards, and it's not... Okay, so the door has closed. I always think when I look at this footage that someday this will be shown at a trial, and the robot judge will be using this to condemn all of humanity. Yeah. It's got the wonderful title of Testing Robustness, which usually means in Boston dynamic terms, it's people hitting robots to see if they can fight back or resist it. Surely this is just a one step forward towards Arnie. I mean, that's quite impressive, just in terms of the mechanics of the thing. 
Yeah. And that it, it knows where the door handle is. It can manipulate the door handle with a hand-like structure. It can bend itself to the correct height. So once again, just robotics is moving on and we've given them cause for vengeance. Yeah. So we just need to worry about the sentience of the thing now. Because uh, as soon as it gets angry, we are toast. That was Level Up Human. Hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to levelupyoumen.com. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.